Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. The Word of God. Short but sweet. You guys can have a, not sweet, short but powerful. It's a better word. Good to see everyone again. We are going to continue a series that we have been in, and we are almost done with it. We've got one more week after today, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. One more sermon after today. I know some of you life groups are a week or two behind, and that's okay. You're going to be finishing up kind of mid-December. And beyond this campaign, I hope that we as a church continue to lean into these principles and make them our own. We've talked about many of them already in the life of our church. Um, Some of them we need to talk about more. Um, but the series ends next week. Next week is kind of a putting it all together uh, sermon. Um, uh, today, we're going to talk about the last principle. There are seven principles with an introduction week and a conclusion week. So today's the last principle we're talking about. And that last principle is living out of vulnerability and weakness. Living out of vulnerability and weakness. The chapter in the book, if you're following along in the book, is leading out of vulnerability and weakness. And that's largely because he's writing to church leaders, but this applies to everyone. Teenagers and uh, young adults, married, single, older, younger, retired, employers, employees, it applies to everybody. We should all, if we're following Jesus, should be living out of a posture, a heart posture of vulnerability and weakness. Um, One of the core values that we set for our church back in 2013 when we planted was authenticity. Being an authentic church community. Not pretending we have it all together when we don't. Not pretending we're happy when we're struggling. Uh, Not pretending that you didn't just offend me when it's been lingering in my heart and being willing to share it. Um, But over the last 10 years, you know, it's been more of a buzzword in the culture, and and I want to make sure we don't get mixed up about what we mean by it, because there is a difference between prideful authenticity and vulnerable authenticity. Sometimes the the world will use it uh, to justify being an arrogant, prideful jerk, You know, we'll use it like, well, this is just who I am, and you people got to deal with it. I just say what is on my mind, just being honest, just saying it how it is. And and, and that has a posture of arrogance, like, like I'm right, or what I feel should always come out. And you should know what I'm feeling, because what I'm feeling is so important. Vulnerable authenticity is a little different. It's, hey, this is who I am, but I know I need to grow. Not just, this is who I am and deal with it. This is who I am, and I know it's hard to deal with sometimes. And I know I need to grow as a result. Instead of saying pridefully, hey, you're wrong because what you did make me feel like this, and so you need to get it together. Vulnerable authenticity is, hey, what you did bothered me, but I know I had a part to play in this. I just don't see what it is. This is a difference, right? And that's what we're talking about. We want to be vulnerable in our authenticity. Vulnerable has the idea of being a moldable, shapeable. Uh, we're willing to be corrected, confronted, rebuked. We know that we need to change. 
When I was 27 years old, I really felt confident in my spiritual maturity. I did. There wasn't a lot of things bringing out the ugly stuff that I didn't even know was in there. People had looked up to me. I had been following Jesus, you know, uh, for, since I was 19. I really gave my life to Christ. I was coming out of a church in Los Angeles where people seemed to look up to me. And I moved back to New Jersey, and I was helping to plant a church, and I felt like I was mature. And then I started dating Jess. And, and then we got engaged. And that process of building intimacy brought out stuff in my heart that I didn't know was there. Some insecurities pride. We were both, you know, older in our older 20s, and so we were, had been independent, and so we both think our way is the right way. A temper, a bad temper that I had as a kid that I thought I had squashed and put aside came back. I didn't know he was still hiding in the closet just looking for an opportunity. And I remember um, my response to some of that stuff was often to just go silent. And then she would say, what's wrong? And my response would be, any men want to guess it? Nothing. And I remember her saying, we were engaged, she, was, she said, why do you act like such a tough guy? And it was like, yeah, I guess I am doing that. You know, because I don't want to admit something bothers me, so I'm going to put it down. And... It hindered our intimacy. It hindered our relationship. What I thought was the best way to go, hide the stuff, act the tough guy, pretend like things are fine, it, people could tell, she could tell, I mean, she especially could tell, and so it hindered our relationship. It got in the way of our intimacy. And how much more true, I believe, it is with Jesus. We start following Jesus, and as we grow with him, he puts us through circumstances and situations, and as we get closer to him, we should become more aware of the ugliness in our heart. Like, wow, I didn't know that was still there, Lord. And he holds stuff up because he wants to transform it. He says, hey, this is here. But what we often do is we're growing with Jesus, we're growing with Jesus, people maybe start to look up to us, maybe we're parents, maybe people at work start to see us a certain way, and now we have a reputation to uphold. And this reputation to uphold almost becomes more important sometimes than actually honoring Jesus. And so we squash those feelings down. We squash what we uh, are starting to see in our hearts. We put it down. We busy ourselves. We're not going to admit that it's there because we don't want people to think less of us because they don't see us as so important or they look up to us or they admire us. I'm mom. I'm dad. I'm a pastor. I'm the guy. I'm the girl. Whatever, you know, I'm the leader. I'm the person my friends look up to. And so I can't admit that I struggle here. But what that ends up doing is that hinders our relationship with our Lord. There's a disconnect there. Because I believe, and Scripture, I believe, tells us that as we grow with Jesus, not only does he want to reveal more of the areas of our sinful hearts, but he wants to show us even more how much he paid for that and how much he covers that with his grace and his love. And if we're hiding it, we're not going to experience all the grace that he has to pour out on us. If we're pretending it's not there, that we don't need it, we're not going to experience more of the grace. In other words, the more we grow with him, we should become on one hand more aware of how sinful we are, and on the other hand, how much he loves us in a deeper way. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul learned as he grew 
you know, in the book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, that we're going through, the author, Pete Scazzaro, points this out, and I think he's on to something. The first time I saw this was back in 2009 in one of the other books that this guy had written, and it had an impact on me, so I want to just show you briefly uh, this arc of the Apostle Paul, this change in tone as he wrote his letters. We're going to start with uh, Galatians 2.6, which was written about 14 years after he became a follower of Jesus in AD 49. He wrote this uh, in Galatians. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made do- no difference to me, for God has no favorites. So he's talking very matter-of-fact. He seems very confident. The other leaders, the other apostles, they didn't really, you know, intimidate me. I wasn't trying to please them. I, I, you know, I'm kind of standing on my own two feet. He comes off confident, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but there's just a, a lack of what we're going to see in the later letters. He's very confident. But a few years later, in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, which was written um, about six years after that, AD 55, roughly, he's been a Christian now for 20 years. He writes this, I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. So is it possible that as he continues to mature in Christ, he starts to see more of the weightiness of his sin before a holy God? He's like, man, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. I can't believe. I can't believe God loves me and chose me and called me. And then a few years after that, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 3a is written about AD 60. Another five years go by. He says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, not just all the apostles, but now all God's people, the least deserving. Is he exaggerating? Is he using hyperbole? What's he feeling? Is it possible that he really feels like, man, I don't deserve to be in the family of God. You ever feel like that, by the way? You ever have moments where you feel like, what? What How could God love me? You feel like a fraud, maybe? People see me as mature. I'm not that mature. You ever have those moments? I think the Apostle Paul, as he matured, he had a lot of those moments. And then finally, in 1 Timothy 1.15, which is where Miguel read from, this is two years, about two years before his death in AD 65. He's been walking with Jesus for 30 years. And at this point, he says this, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. He says, I am. He doesn't say I was. He says, I am. And some of us, depending on your church background, you want to stand up and say, no, Paul, you're an overcomer. You're victorious. And Paul would say, yes, amen, I am, absolutely. And I am the worst of sinners. And I can own that, and I'm free to own that because I know how much Jesus loves me and cover it all. So I can admit My goodness, I can look at the depths of my heart and go, wow, I can't believe that he came into the world to save me. But he did. And so that freed Paul to be honest about who he was. Kind of a summary statement. The more we can live out of our vulnerability and weakness, the more we're embracing our freedom to be with Jesus 
rather than fall to the temptation to do for Jesus. So that was the first principle we talked about. We don't have to do for Jesus. We can simply be with Jesus because he's accomplished it all in our place. And by being vulnerable and weak, we are declaring, I am free to admit who I am because of what Jesus has done. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to earn anything. I know he loves me. And we want to be a church that can be honest and vulnerable because we know how much he loves us. I want to be a little more practical here. What does it mean to live out of vulnerability and weakness? I want five things I'm going to share with you. And hopefully one or two of these pop out as an area for you to lean into and own more fully. Living out of vulnerability and weakness means, number one, we don't just talk about our past sins, but our present sins as well. We are a church that since 2013 has excelled, I believe, in being able to share about our past sins. I've heard from people at other churches who have been um, amazed at the honesty of you guys. So I say we excel there. When it comes to sharing about our present sins, I think we're decent. And we can grow in that area of vulnerability. And that's hard. I think it's easier to say I had an addiction to heroin 10 years ago than it is to say I currently have an addiction to people-pleasing. And that's why I say yes to some things. And that's why I post some things on social media because I want pats on the back, I want affirmation, I want validation, and I need help with that. A little harder. It's easy for me to share I had a bad temper 10, 13 years ago when I was dating my wife and getting engaged and getting married. It's a little harder to admit I lost my temper two weeks ago on my middle daughter. But she did it first. Which was my justification. And then I had to go back in and apologize to her and actually tell her, you probably get this bad temper from me. Going back to last week's principle on breaking family patterns, right? You get this from me, so I can't expect this 10-year-old to break free of this if I'm 41 and haven't broken free of it fully yet. So we don't just talk about our past sins, but our present sins as well. Number two, we don't just tell people how they've hurt us, but we're willing to admit our feelings may be based on misunderstandings. It's one thing to say, what you did bothered me, you need to shape up, you need to get it together, you need to get right with God. And it's another thing to say, well, you did bother me, but I realize that I might be connecting dots that shouldn't be connected. I realize I might be reading into this incorrectly. Can we talk about this? I, it's important to use language, and I'll be very practical here, language like, um, I feel, dot, 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 versus you always, you never, hmm? right? I feel ignored, rejected by you, versus you always, you never, that comes off as a big accusation, and uh, with arrogance, as if we see things clearly. It's helpful to use language like, hey, when you did this, you may not have meant this, but the story I'm telling myself is dot, dot, dot. And it gives an opportunity for them to correct your story that's in your head, admitting I might be wrong here. This is hard to do sometimes, right? Because our feelings tell us that we're seeing things accurately. But oftentimes we're not. Oftentimes we're distorting things. Oftentimes our past wounds 
are causing us to have certain filters that take in data in a distorted way. If Michael hurt me 10 years ago, and now I'm in a relationship with Pastor Bill, and he does something vaguely similar, I might go, oh, I know what's going on here, when I don't. I'm reacting out of a past wound with Michael. Vulnerability means I'm willing to admit that. I might be reading into this. I might be uh, operating out of a filter from my past. Number three, we don't just own our known weaknesses, but invite others to tell us about weaknesses that we think are strengths. Oh, that's hard. Not just blind spots, but actually things that we take pride in sometimes may be weaknesses. When we're good at something, we have a temptation to find our identity in that thing, our worth, our significance in that thing, which makes it harder for someone to criticize it or to tell us, hey, this isn't really as much of a strength as you think it is. For example, if you told my wife she was bad at bowling, she wouldn't bat an eye. She wouldn't flinch at all. She would be like, yeah, I don't care. She takes no pride in bowling. If you, however, criticize her as a mom, that's going to hurt. Because she is tempted, like many women who are moms, to find her identity or worth in how she is as a mom. A little harder. If you told me I was bad at running a 5K, I'd make fun of myself all day with you. But if you criticize my role as a pastor, and in particular said, as people have said, you didn't care enough about my situation. Oh, that stings. And you know what my temptation is? To get defensive. And instead of being vulnerable and saying, hey, well, what made you not feel cared for? How could I have done better? How could I have communicated my care for you? My temptation or my tendency in the past has been to get defensive. What are you talking about? Don't you know how much I pray for you? Don't you know how many times we've met and discussed this? Don't you? Da, da, da. All of a sudden, basically, ironically, no longer am I caring for that person. I just want to win an argument now to show you how much I care. I know that's happened with a few of you guys. I could give you the mic right now and you could attest to that. It's where I need to grow. So we're willing to say, okay, guys, am I as good as I think I am here? And if not, that's okay. I've had to tell people, hey, you're not as good as you think you are here. This isn't your gift. You got another gift. And that's hard if our identity is in that thing. But if we're able to hold that loosely and go, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, God's, I'm loved by God, and maybe, maybe that was a gift in the past. Maybe it's not now. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe there's something else for me. It doesn't matter. God loves me no matter what I'm doing, right? Because I'm a being, not a doing. One of the people who've lived this out the best was Daniel Raconda, who his family left our church about a year ago because they moved up north. But he was fired from his position in 2019 here as a youth pastor, youth director here. And his family stayed, and he impacted so many people here because he was willing to say, it's not my identity. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of this church community, and I'm loved here even if this temporary role had to end. And so many of you have said, man, that had such an impact on me. Where does that ever happen? He had a bigger impact on people after he was let go from a temporary position than he did while he was living that position out. 
because he was willing to be vulnerable and live out of weakness and vulnerability. Number four, being willing to admit that our reactions to other people's immaturity may not be mature. Now, if that's confusing, let me help you here. Raise your hand if you have an ongoing issue with someone else in your life. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Could be a sister, brother, coworker, spouse, uh, neighbor. It could be somebody else in church. It could be me. You don't have to yell out who it is. Just raise your hand. Okay, okay, keep them up, keep them up. Now, you can put them down. Now, put them back up if you tend to believe you are the more mature one in that relationship. Yeah, because, keep them up for a moment, because, keep them up, keep them them up. That's normal. You're not wrong for that. I'm not saying, so don't, this is not a trick. You're not wrong for that. Usually when we have an ongoing issue with somebody, our tendency is to think, well, why can't they get it together? I've, I've tried. Why can't they forgive? Why can't they uh, get over this? Why can't they understand what I'm saying? Why can't they just listen? I mean, you know, whatever it is. We, we have a tendency to think they are immature because they're stuck here, right? So then we have a choice to make. Am I going to act like the more mature one that I believe I am and live out a more mature version of love, loving this person like Jesus, that they're not able to reciprocate because they're not as mature as me? Or am I going to shut down, hold a grudge, get bitter, talk about them behind their back, declare them, you know, uh, give them a psychological diagnosis and put them in a category? Find something on Google to validate how I feel and stick them away, and I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Which way are we going to go? Are we willing to admit, if our tendency is the latter, we're going to shut down and uh, stop loving them, then are we willing to admit, okay, that's an issue, and their immaturity just revealed a lack of maturity in my ability to love. And if so, I need to deal with that. And if that's the case, God might be using this person to help me grow in this area. Does that make sense? Now, if you're able to just love them like Jesus, then great. Keep loving them like Jesus. But if you're tempted to react in a way that's less than loving, then boom, God's like, here, here's a gift. There's an area that I want to grow you in. Lean into it. Be vulnerable here. Make sense? Makes sense to Jeff. Okay. Last one. Number five. Uh, Living out of weakness and vulnerability means not just owning our bad behavior, but wanting to get to the root of our motives, the motives behind that bad behavior. All right? So not just admitting I lost my temper, but God, what was going on when I did? God, I shut down in that meeting. What was going on? You know, instead of just apologizing, hey, guys, sorry I got quiet, dealing with stuff. God, what was actually going on? What offended me there that made me shut down? Back in the summertime, we were doing a prayer series. We preached on this passage. The title was Search Me from Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting God, show me what's in my heart. Sift it. Bring to light what needs to be brought to light. Show me what's going on here. 
I got no personal examples for this one. We're not going to talk about my issues for this one. We are going to talk about someone else's issues for this one. Um, so at that, I'm going to call up uh, Jess Dottie. Jess, would you come on up here? You can grab that microphone. You don't want to clap yet. You don't want to clap just yet. What's up, Jess? Hi. Sorry. So um, some of you guys were here a few weeks ago when we announced that Jess, Jess's role uh, at this church has been assimilation director. She's been helping people get connected into the, the life of our church uh, and a part-time role for uh, going on 2018. It'll be six years this, this January, but that's when her role's going to end. She's stepping down from that role to pursue other things. Um, we're not going to get too much into that right now. That's, that's for another day and what she's pursuing. Um, but when I announced that, I had people raise their hands. I said, how many of you have been connected into this church largely because of Jess? And many of you raised your hands and said, yes, yes, yes. If I asked, how many of you guys have been frustrated with Jess at times? <laughs> I bet at least some people would say, yeah, sometimes. I bet way more than raise their do hands. Do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? Nobody has disagreed with Jess more than me uh, at this church. Uh, nobody has disagreed with me more than Jess has at, at this church, uh, probably minus her, her husband and my, my wife. Um, we've had lots of discussions slash arguments over the years, um, but somebody asked me, I think somebody close to her said, do you think Jess is easy to go along with? And I said, absolutely. And, and that's because, despite all our disagreements, I know that Jess, number one, doesn't, keep, doesn't hold a grudge, but number two, she's always willing to search her heart. What was going on here? Where did this come from? Why did this bother me so much? Um, and, and that's why she's been one of the leaders in our church, because she's always willing to search her heart. Um, and that's uh, why I have her up here today, because I'm aware of two areas, uh, examples from the recent past, that um, present struggles, if you will, that she's willing to share about as an example of living out of vulnerability and weakness. Um, so we're going to start with a lie that you told. <laughs> right? Yeah. All yeah. right, so we'll just get to it. Who did you lie to and why did you lie? So I would um, pride myself in not being a liar and, and being very honest almost to... A fault sometimes, especially with my husband. <laughs> um, I, my, my husband and I were at a, a, a networking event for real estate. And um, <laughs> so just briefly, the, the business we're starting is in real estate. You know, it, it's, it's helping individuals that are struggling. And um, I... Transitional housing for right, folks. Right, right. I recognized very quickly um, that there was two gentlemen that were very successful in, in real estate. And um, so that was confirmed after we spoke to them. And um, so I wanted to get in with these guys. <laughs> you know, I wanted them to think I was uh, something special, you know. So, so the one guy um, in an individual conversation says, okay, so how many, how, I'm telling him about the business, what we're doing, all of it, and he says, so how many houses do you have up and running currently? And without even thinking, I say four. And it's zero, actually. 
So in that moment, I definitely knew I lied, but I was just like, why? Like, what the heck? I didn't even think about, like, but at the same time, so I say I didn't think about it, but I, I did. Like, in my head, I was like, what am I going to say? I have to make this guy think that I'm special, you know, that, that I could convince him that it's worth doing business with me, with working with me, with trusting me. Um, yeah. And I, I, so I saw you at the office shortly after we, there was a meeting, and, and you were like, I just lied to somebody. <laughs> um, and you were telling a couple of us, and um, you had a, it seemed like you had a choice to make. You could either, in that moment, um, um, well, actually, no, before I get to that, um, you, were, you were trying to figure out why you lied. And I know you sort of hinted at it, but... Um, do you have any more to say about what the reason was? Like, 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 he had some power, right, that you wanted to do business with him, but why did you actually lie? Like, what were you not trusting God with in that moment? I mean, so much, but ultimately, really, that if this is, you know, I'm, I'm confident that this is something that God has for us, so all of the pieces will fit together perfectly in his timing, not me forcing things or trying to prove myself or my ability to anyone, really. Um, but, but ultimately, really thinking that, like, the... So, like, the things that, ma- that we think matter to people don't, don't really matter to God. It's like God... He's going to make this thing work ultimately, no matter what, whether I have zero houses or, or um, yeah. sixteen or twenty-five or whatever. Yeah. So Does it's safe to say that sense? in that moment, yeah, it's safe to say that in that moment, God was small and this guy was big. Oh yeah, he was really big. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now you had a choice to make. Do you say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry that I lied. I'll try to do better in the future, or go the extra mile? in telling this guy who you lied to the truth. Yeah, which was going to be really embarrassing. Obviously, I don't know this guy at all. I just meet him. and. <laughs> so what did you do? So we didn't go to the event the following month, so I was like, whew, off the hook, you know. Um, but we went the next month, um, which was recently, and um, so I, I already made a decision that I was – was going to confess to him, but at the same time, I was like, Lord, he doesn't have to be there, right? Like, if he's not there, and I don't see him again, then I'm off the hook. Um, So I definitely didn't want to do it at all. Um, But, yeah, so there was a moment, and I was like, I felt like he was like, now, you know, like right away, you have to do it. And I, I tried to put it off, and it was just really cool to see how God worked because I was like, oh, the music is starting. It's starting. I, I can't. And then maybe he'll be talking to somebody else when I have an opportunity. But then they, they play the music to make an announcement. You have 10 more minutes. And I'm like, okay, okay. So um, it just so happens that there was two um, really young kids that joined um, – the real estate office, and they know... Um, By young kids, you mean like 20-something? 18 years old, yeah, 18 years old. And 
they know that I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm always like asking God for opportunities, you know, to impact other people that I don't know where they're at, you know. And so anyway, they just so happened to come to this event that night and Steve and I are sitting at a table with them and I'm like nervous. So I'm like, oh gosh, talking to them, Steve is talking to somebody else. I say, I have to go confess to this guy that I lied. And they're like, what? <laughs> so he, they're like, what was it about, you know? So I tell them what it was about briefly, and they're just like, wow, you know? I mean, who knows what God did in that moment with them, but I do feel like it was definitely an answer to my prayer about, like, like use me, you know? Like, you, use me in my... In, in, perfection and my yeah. my weakness um so i did go and talk to the guy he was there with the other very successful guy of course so now i'm like crap he's not even alone you know he's with somebody else <laughs> i could i could blow both chances um so basically i just i i went up to him and i was you know hey how are you um i have to uh i have to confess something and he like kind of looked nervous for a second. And um, <laughs> so, so I basically just came out and told him, you know, I, I lied to you the last time we, we spoke. Um, I, you know, I, I could see that you were successful and I was trying to prove myself to you so that you would want to do business with me. Um, so they're like laughing, you know, like... <laughs> Because he instantly said, oh, I was, I was nervous that I did something wrong, you know? Like, like he was, like, uncomfortable and nervous that, like, he did something. Um, but he definitely received it well. And, and we were able to laugh. And, you know, I ended it. And I was like, well, I guess that just means we have to do business. <laughs> and then he wrote a check for a million dollars, right? No, not yet. <laughs> But you honored God by coming clean, and is it safe to say by telling him the truth, this guy the truth, you sort of put him in his proper place yeah. compared to a big God? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you felt more free after that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I pray that the next moment like that, I can, I can do the right thing, you know, because it's like, it's always a struggle, like, between both. And I think, for me, that's like... I feel like God showed me that that's still there, you know, like that, that, that um, ugliness, that like um, pride or the sin, like the sin, the sin is always in your heart, right? It's like you have, you always have a choice, um, but to be more aware of it. Um, yeah. And taking the time to search your heart, let the Lord, the Lord search your heart. I think you have a better chance of dealing with it in the future rather than rushing by, oh, I'll try to do better next time, uh, but really going, God, what was in there? Yeah, um, and I have, I have been, been praying that prayer for years. I mean, I don't remember when I started meeting with Pam Hess as my mentor, but that was like one of the first things that, that she had shared with me, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm mm. definitely like going to hold on to this and have this be my continued prayer, you know, and, yeah. and through it, it's like he is faithful, yeah. always reveals a lot to me. Yeah. 
Well, that's one example. The other example is a lot shorter and, and, and more succinct, but I think it's important to share it because it, had to, it took place here um, amongst our community. So there was a Sunday morning um, where you uh, were not very kind to your husband. I'll let you share, tell the story. Right, right. Um, so some of you guys are probably similar to me. It's like everything's supposed to go the way it's supposed to go, right? Like a job is supposed to be done and you do it, you do it right, and that's just the way it is. So there was some miscommunication, and that's definitely what it was. But in my mind, it was that he was just, like, he was giving me a hard time. And so, so I snapped on my husband um, in front of, actually, Bill Weaver <laughs> and Kathy Hover and Jim McCarthy. Thank you. <laughs> let, let, me, let me pause you. So Jess oversees some of our frontline teams out there, and her husband, Steve, runs the Usher team, which is kind of a team that reports to her. I know it's difficult with marriages when it ha that happens like that. So that's kind of what was going on. Jeff is, Jess is kind of overseeing this, these team dynamics on Sunday, and her husband is running the Ushers, and in Jess's mind, he, I guess, drops some balls. And so you, you snapped at him in front of some of, these, uh, some of the volunteers who were working alongside you. Right, right. And I definitely didn't realize it, so I proceed to um, vent to Kathy after, you know, I mean, I definitely noticed it was uncomfortable for them, but I more felt sorry for them than I did for my husband, um, which, yeah, but it's like, it, it is, it, it's not right. So, so basically, then they walk away and Kathy is back at the table, and um, I have my opportunity to now vent more. And I say, you know, I am so, and she says, lucky or blessed or whatever to have a wonderful husband that serves with you. And I was just like, holy cow. <laughs> I, but instantly I was offended because I'm like, you know, that moment where you're like, who the heck do you think you are? You know, that's always there, I feel like, you know. Um, I mean, I hope it happens less, but it's like that was definitely there. But thank God I was able to, like, like he was able to bring me back, like, within seconds. And I was like, wow, you're right. Thank you. You know, like. Did she say anything like, else? Yeah. I mean, she, she definitely. Did she lay into you? <laughs> No, she didn't lay into me, but she did. She, she did say, like, um, you know, it was uncomfortable for everyone around, but it was also uncomfortable for him and more like, huh, more like thinking of, like, how it made him feel, you know, which is hard for me to do sometimes because it's like, why don't you just do what you're supposed to do? Everything will go great, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But, like, recognizing that it made him feel, like, unloved and not respected and embarrassed. And, I mean, because it's easy for me to care about what other people think sometimes more than uh Stop. <laughs> and you, the last question, I'll let you go. <laughs> what did you say to Steve after that? I forget. No. <laughs> I definitely apologized. Um, usually my 
remembrance of things can sometimes be different than actually how it happens. Um, so I definitely apologized. Um, I don't know if I did a good enough job, to be honest with you. Well, I'll let you two sort that out. <laughs> um, but good on Kathy, right, for calling her out in that moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, and being, being a true friend, right? I mean, the, the uh, wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy, Proverbs tells us. And uh, she was a friend, and she was a sister in Christ, and saying, hey, and then you were able to go back and, again, search your heart, apologize to your husband, and maybe apologize again after today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was definitely a moment for me with Kathy because it was like, not, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. I mean, maybe in a way that I wasn't able to see. I see Charlie here, and he's definitely seen me... Um, treat my husband in an unloving way, but other people too. But it's like, I'm sure that people have said stuff, but like in more of like a joking way where like I need to hear it like direct, clear, because, or I don't actually hear it. So it's like for her to be so direct and, and clear that, that I yeah. wasn't loving him. It was, it was just, it made me feel yeah. really blessed that she felt um, like safe enough and, you followed and up bold enough to... You followed up and thanked her, right? Afterwards? Oh, yeah. Lo actually, several times, yeah. Because still, it, it like impacts me because I'm like, wow, like I'm so grateful that she that she did that, you know? She didn't have to. She could have walked away and been like, I can't believe her, you know? Yeah. And went talking to other people about me. <laughs> mm, that's true. She could have. So again, good on Kathy, good on you for receiving it, that moment of, am I going to be defensive and say it's none of her business and yada yada, or am I going to receive this and trust that God is giving me a gift here that's going to help my marriage? Mm. You, you, you resisted one temptation and accepted uh, what the Holy Spirit was trying to do in that moment. Um, so can we give it up for Jess? Yeah. I'll leave. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. Um, so that's just, uh, I just want to give a picture of kind of what we're talking about, of living out of vulnerability and weakness. Um, it, 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 we risk losing people's respect or maybe being embarrassed. But what we gain is freedom. Freedom to go, ah, that's right. I don't have to pre pretend. I don't have to uh, maintain an image. Uh, my job isn't to maintain this, this painting of myself. My job is to accept that I what did Paul say? I am a sinner, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's where we get the freedom to be vulnerable and honest and live out of weakness, is remembering Jesus covered us with his righteousness. When we trust in his sacrifice on the cross, when we trust that he's overcome the grave, he covers us with his robes of righteousness. And so when God the Father looks at us, he sees the Son, the righteousness of the Son, which frees us to say, hey, yeah, I am a sinner as a description of who I am, but my identity is as a son, a daughter, who's been declared righteous. That's what we get to boast in. If we're boasting in our resume, if we're boasting in our gifts, then criticism is going to come and we're going to not be able to accept it. If we're boasting in what we've accomplished in our life, we won't be able to live out of vulnerability and weakness. But if we boast in what Christ has done, and how he's paid for it, we're free. 
we're free. So at that, I'm going to invite the band up, and we're just going to close by simply doing just that, singing a song where we boast in what Christ has done. Can we stand? And can you raise your hands if you would say, you have a ways to go. Okay. Amen. So Lord Jesus, continue your work in these men and women who are saying, yes, Lord, I need to grow. And as we grow, Lord Jesus, give us the freedom to be honest about this journey we're on. Give us the freedom to admit where we're weak, to be told that we're weak in areas we don't even know we are. And give us the freedom to accept that as a gift from you. That if we're declaring and confessing today that we need to grow, we are also surrendering to your journey, your path for that process to play out. We're not in control of it. So if that means we need to be uh, honest with an accountability partner or a mentor, if that means we need to search our heart more deeply about something, if that means we need to uh, thank somebody for a recent criticism they brought that maybe we weren't able to receive in the moment, Lord, give us the grace to walk those steps out. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, let's sing one song together.